Wow. Lord, lead us to your light. Isn't that? Man, that is our prayer. That is our desire. Uh, every time we come together in community groups and uh, as a church. And I thank you, Rachel and Jim. Uh, we are we love volunteers. Jim does not get paid a dime to do all he does at Life Journey, and neither will you. Um, <laughs> but we need volunteers. Uh, we we are in need of volunteers, and so it's so exciting. Uh, I mean, God's got big plans for Life Journey Church, okay? And uh, we just need more and more people on board to be a part of what God is doing. Before we get started into the message, you can go ahead and get your Bibles out and go to Ephesians. If your Bible doesn't already naturally open there, because that's where we've been and that's where we're going to be, uh, just go ahead and open up to Ephesians. Um, but I want to take a quick second to uh, just thank a family for being here, uh, Bobby and Don Norman. Uh, they moved up here with us last summer to start Life Journey Church, and um, their son, uh, Nathan, had a, uh, a brain tumor that they knew about, and, but it hadn't grown for um, a year or so b- before they moved. They moved, and everything was great, and they were living here, helping us start, and then uh, last uh, October, November, they um, realized that things were not going well with the tumor, and it actually doubled, and so growing by 50% or so, and metastasized into his spine. And so they actually had to uh, just sever all ties with Crozet and Life Journey Church and move back to be closer to Duke uh, University, which is where they have, um, do, do, they do ministry, and that's where they do uh, the uh, treatment for Nathan. And so they're here with us, and I just uh, am so thankful for them. They surprised us. They came up, and I'm just so thankful for them and for their friendship and their love. And, uh, yeah, just really glad that they're here. If you guys... Uh, on the newsletter last week, or yeah, two weeks ago, whatever it was, um, we, through Life Journey, were able to donate $1,000 to help the research to cure the exact type of cancer that Nathan has. And this little church, through the support of God's uh, give, of giving you know, to God, were able to, to be a part of this family taking the gospel into that hospital to see lives changed, the light of Jesus that was just sung about. So let's go to Ephesians. I mean, we are walking through this book of Ephesians verse by verse, and this is the reason why. We are in a pre-launch phase, pre-grand open. We're just trying to build momentum to see what God is going to do. Our official grand opening for Life Journey Church is this fall, September 9th. Okay, so what I decided is of all the things we could do during the spring and summer to ramp up for this grand opening, what should we teach? What should we focus on? And I, through prayer and through talking with some people, I decided, you know, Ephesians would be a great study to go through because if you'll see on the screen here, Ephesians is broken into these two sections. The first section talks about our position in Christ, who we are in Christ for those who believe, what has been made new, what are we now before God as a result of our salvation? But it doesn't just stop there. The whole second half of the book goes into great thorough detail of now that we're in Christ, what is our practical daily life supposed to look like? Now that we are adopted sons of God and daughters of God, how does that look in our daily life? Because, man... Christ making us new is awesome, but I mean, how does that? How am I supposed to live that with my husband, with my wife? How am I supposed to be a dad? How am I supposed to be a child, a, a boss, a, you know, a, 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 um, a, a, an employee? How does that all work in my daily life? What are the practical sides of my Christianity? That's the whole second half of the book. It's beautiful. So what we are doing is we're just marching through to learn what God 
the responsibilities that we, the privileges that we have in Christ, but then the great responsibilities that we have in our community and in our world. And so we're working our way through. So today we're going to be, we're still over here in this position section. And so we've walked through and we're in, starting in verse 11. And we've, this is kind of bringing to end a, a three-part series on what God the Father, God the Son, and now today God the Holy Spirit do, did, are doing, and will do to bring about our salvation, okay? Um, a couple years ago, I was in a uh, Bible study or a meeting, gathering of some sort, and everybody had to go around the room and share one fear. You've been in one of those kind of meetings and gatherings, and you've you got to talk, so you, what they want you to talk about is your fear. You know, like, of all things to talk about, why are we talking about our fears, you know? Well, you had the typical fears, you know, spiders, you know, the t- snakes, you know, uh, ghosts. But somebody's always afraid of clowns. Like, what did a clown do? You, you, really, what did a clown do, right? I don't know. But somebody's always afraid of clowns. And this one girl is kind of weird. She was afraid of the sun. She had a phobia of the sun. She always thought that it was, like, going to run out, you know. And so she was like, what if the sun runs out? And I'm like, we're, you know, we're freaking out. Like, what if the sun runs out? Like, um, well, I guess it's over if the sun runs out. It's, it'll be okay. I, I mean, it, don't worry. But she's in fear of the sun. Well, it came my turn to share what I was afraid of. And, you know, I didn't want to say spiders or clowns for sure. So um, I said, you know, I, I'm kind of f- fearful of, of the unknown, you know, I like to be in control. I like to know what's happening. I like to have a plan and work the plan and then plan the work and get it all done. But, I, but the unknown, the things that you can't really, you know, factor in, I struggle with those things. Um, but specifically, the unknown future, things in the future that I just not sure about. At the time, it was before I was married, and so things like, like marriage, like am I ever going to get married, you know? And even if I do get married, is that marriage going to even last? Because most marriages end in divorce, you know? So like, what's going to happen with my marriage? How that, how's that going to all work out? I was wor- worried about, at the time, my career, you know, if God's called me to be a pastor, like, what if nobody wants me to be the pastor? What if, like, no church, like, is out there that wants to hire me as a pastor? Like, it, I, I want to be a pastor, but is that going to provide enough money to even have a family? Because pastors don't get paid a whole lot of money. Health. I mean, every one of us knows at least one person that has some sort of terminal disease, like cancer or something. It's like, why, why not me? Am I going to get struck with that? You know, that kind of stuff. So years ago, it was, you know, man, I'm uncertain about the future. There's a lot of things to worry about. There's a lot of fears to be had. Now, fortunately, God has, you know, brought me through to some maturity. And you know, I realized, you know, while I don't know the future, he does. And I'm safe in his arms and in his hands. But at the time, you know, I was like, man, it's... That's a tough deal. And God stretched us so far to the point where we left everything that we had, everything that we knew, all of our families, all of our jobs, and we put everything we owned into a U-Haul last summer and drove to a town that we never, you know, didn't know anybody and moved into a house that, you know, we had never even, we never even seen the bathroom or the master because, the master bedroom because the guy who was living there at the time worked third shift. We couldn't even view the whole house. But we were like, yeah, we'll take it. Sure. You know, like. God had, you know, he gave us great comfort and great, you know, satisfaction in him and rest in him and the whole idea of the future. So God has matured us, but don't we all have some level of fear of the future? You know, I think of teenagers just in this room here. Man, I remember being a teenager. Like, man, what if I get that big old zit right on the front of my nose at picture day? Like, we laugh about that as adults, but tell me the truth. As a teenager, isn't that a big deal, right? 
or, or even this idea of, you know, who's going who's gonna to want to be my boyfriend or my girlfriend, you know, all those things that teenagers deal with. As parents, don't we struggle with the idea of, man, what's my job security like? Are they going to ask me to, to move, to, to relocate? What's the security at this position? Or what are my kids, like I see all these other teenagers, you know, and they're like, you know, these cra- wearing crazy clothes and like this, they, they look terrible and that's someone else's kid. What if, what if my five-year-old grows up to be that? We all have these, these fears deep down inside if we'd be honest about them. Single parents, man, will I ever find love again? Is, is my daughter, my son, are they going to grow up with, without a, a godly husband or, or a godly father or a godly mother in their life, you know? We have these fears that are real about the future. But here's the beauty behind it. God knew that we would have fears. He knew that our sinful nature would, would limit us in the ability to trust him and trust him wholly. And, and so he has given us what we're going to read today in scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 starting in verse 11 as one of the most comforting truths of all of scripture. And so we're going to walk through this, we're going to wrap things up, we're going to pray, and then we're going to start eating. So let's just start here in verse 11. He says, in him, and I know most of us weren't here for the first couple of weeks, if you weren't, they're on the podcast, but him is talking about Jesus. Um, this, this little trilogy started off with how God the Father did all these things before the world even started to bring about our salvation. Last week we talked about how Jesus, through his blood, brings about the forgiveness of all sin of those who believe, like Craig was talking about. But today it says this, in him we have attained an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance. This, let's get, you know, for those of you who really like grammar and English and, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is all one word. We have attained an inheritance. Five English words, one Greek word. How do they do that? It's just an amazing language, but this is in a passive voice. So that means we did not do the, or earn any type of inheritance. It was granted to us. It was given to us for those who believe. And he says, we were given this inheritance. This is the, the beauty behind God. He knew that we would have these fears. And so he gives us, before we could ever even ask it or think it or want it, he gives us an inheritance. What is this inheritance that we've been promised? Well, every single thing that was promised to Christ and was that Christ owns, that Christ possesses, are the same exact things that we own and we possess if we are part of God's family. God promises things like peace everlasting peace. He promises things like love. He promises things like grace, eternal life, wisdom, victory in, uh, in strength and guidance and power and forgiveness. And the list goes on. And we have obtained this inheritance. We have obtained these promises that God has. It says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But this inheritance is in who? It's in him. We must be in Christ. We must be believers in Jesus in order for this inheritance to take place. So Paul then talks about the, the, how God, God's side of this, how this works. He says, having been predestined, that's passive as well, God predestined, he, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. This is God's side of this salvation thing. God is... 
in in a way that we will probably never really understand. He provides, before the world even started, he looked through the quarter of time and he determined, he predestined those who would believe in Jesus. There is a real God-sized element of this that he is so gracious to this world who has turned their back on him that he said, there will be some that believe. There will be many that don't believe, but there will be some that believe. And we have such hope and such thankfulness that there is a gracious God who gives salvation to those who believe. And then verse 12 talks about the first people who believe. And that was Paul and his, uh, the people in the first century. We were the first to hope. We're not the first to hope here in the 21st century. We're like the millionths and billionths to hope. But Paul was a part of the first group of people that hoped in Jesus Christ. And I want to skip down here to verse 13 because we've got another passive idea. We've obtained this inheritance, but then we've also in him been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This is another thing that we have no control over. This is something that God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite will provided for us. This is amazing. Because when you and I hear the word of truth, which is the gospel of our salvation, and when we believe, that's when this moment of sealing takes place. And so... There is the God side of this, this predestined side of things, but there's also the man side. There is a man responsibility. You and I, we must believe in Jesus Christ. We must call upon him for salvation or for the repentance of our sins. Just because the, you know, God has it all under control, he is sovereign, there's also a very real, genuine man side of this. You and I, we must come to this point of believing in Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. This idea of um, this, this promised Holy Spirit. You see, um, in, the new, in the first century, there was... Uh, they didn't have credit cards. They didn't have, you know, what's this new thing, Google Wallet? Have you seen that? I'm like, what is that? You know, that's just kind of crazy. You pay with your phone? How does that work? But uh, they're, they're, they didn't carry with them uh, all of their money. They had storage. They had a bank system. So what they did is when they would go to buy a field, for example, they would go in and they would say, all right, I want to buy this field, and here is 10% deposit for this field. And the owner of the field said, all right, I'll take your 10%. If you don't show up with the rest of it, I'm going to keep that 10% and I'm going to sell the field to somebody else. So it was a deposit. And so here's what God is so gracious. He knew that we would have struggles. He knew that we would doubt. He knew that we would uh, have these, these, these uh, fleeting thoughts that, you know, is this all real? Is this heaven thing? Is this internal inheritance legit? He seals us with this promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee. He is this deposit. He is this down payment. The Spirit of God, when he comes into our life, he is this guarantee, this deposit for the future hope that we have in heaven with God for all of eternity. Man, that is a gracious God. You know, God's word should be able to stand on its own. But God is so gracious that he gives us a taste of what's to come, and that is the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us, to direct us. And so this is what the Holy Spirit does. He seals us. Now, when we think of this word seal, the first thing I think of is like my grandmother who used to make these, uh, uh, she used to can beans, you know, and she had this like seal on top. And that's one way of looking at it. But really in the first century when this was, you know, uh, this was um, written, 
a seal was more of, and we've seen it in movies. Like I remember in the movie um, uh, Robin Hood, there was a scene where uh, Lady Marion sealed a message, you know, sealed a scroll, you know, to send off to the king or whatever. But the idea was they would have these documents and they would melt some wax on it and they would take an insignia, a ring, and they would push it into that hot wax to seal that, 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 that scroll so that whoever got it knew who it came from. Okay, so these seals, they, they, there's a couple of things I want us to understand about this. What does it mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing that is hugely important for us to understand is that it means we are secure forever. Okay, in the Old Testament, if you've heard of this story of Daniel in the lion's den, in the Old Testament... There was um, uh, a story of Daniel who was put into this lion den, and the Bible says that the the door was sealed with the king's uh, seal. So he put this seal saying that by my word, by my strength, by my seal, this is not to be opened. This door is not to be opened. If you remember in the New Testament when Jesus was put into the grave, they rolled the stone over. And what did Pilate put on the stone? He put his seal, which marked the security. This is not to be opened. Well, when you and I today are sealed with the Holy Spirit, it is like an infinitely greater and infinitely stronger seal that proves, that demonstrates that you, if you are in Christ, if you have believed and received Jesus as your Lord, you are forever eternally secure by the seal of the Holy Spirit, that the devil can never take you away from the hand of God. And that's a cool idea. That's a cool truth that Jesus, through Jesus, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But there's just also this other idea, this idea of, of authenticity, all right? The, a, 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 a king or a, a, a person would seal with their ring to prove that this is, in fact, my coming from my desk, coming from my word. Today we have a letterhead, you know. A lot of time if you, if you work at a place and, and your, your boss wants something or, your employee, or you go to get something at the DMV and it has to do with your employer, they have to have something with your business letterhead or something. It's this similar idea where you have been sealed, securing you, but also uh, showing this is legit. This is the authentic uh, uh, truth of what's happening. A commentator says... When God gives us his Holy Spirit, is that it is as if he stamps us with the seal that reads, This person belongs to me and is an authentic citizen of my divine kingdom and a member of my divine family. So it's this idea of security. It's an idea of authenticity. But real quickly, it's also an idea of ownership. Okay. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah goes and he buys a, a piece of property and he places a seal on that property again same idea signet ring a seal and it proved on this document that Jeremiah is now the owner of this field well when the Holy Spirit seals you it provides it proves that God now owns you and that is so beautiful that God is now our master. God is now our leader. He is the one who has, uh, that owns every single fiber of us, which is why every single fiber of us ought to exist to pro pronounce and proclaim the word of God. So this sealing, it's our guarantee of this inheritance. And then this is the last little part. Until we acquire the possession of it all to the praise of his glory. 
Again, I want us to understand that the whole point, the whole goal of this thing we call Christianity is not for our glory, but it's for God's glory. In a book that Matt Chandler just put out, and this is the book I was telling you about, he says this in his book. He says, the bottom line is that when we seek our own glory, we are ultimately seeking our own damnation. Because to seek our own glory is to put ourselves above God himself. And a follower of Jesus would never want to do that. But we do it through our sinful nature is still active and alive. This thing we call life has never been, currently isn't, and never will be centered on us. It is all centered around the great power and the majesty that we have in this person of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the book of Philippians, Paul says, um, he says, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so it's the name of Jesus that's to be glorified. Not our name. It's the name of Jesus that's to be worshipped. It's the name of Jesus that's to be sung about. It's the name of Jesus that's to be lifted high. It's the name of Jesus that we're here to make much of. It's because God is so awesome and wants to display how awesome he is that he blesses, he chooses to bless those who believe in him. It's because God is so awesome that he chooses those who would believe him even before the foundation of the world was even formed. It is because God is so awesome that he adopts those who believe in him into his family. It's because God is so awesome that he makes those who believe acceptable before God. It's because he's so awesome that he provides redemption through uh, to us through the blood of Jesus. It's because he is so awesome that he richly lavishes on us the grace to those who believe. It's because he is so awesome that when this world is over, he will have all things united in him for all of eternity in what we would call the new heaven and the new earth. It's because God is so awesome that he provides for those who believe this inheritance and he provides this ceiling is because he is so awesome that all of this happens God choosing us God providing salvation for those who believe doesn't he doesn't look and say man you are so awesome so I'm going to do this for you he says because I am so awesome I'm going to show how awesome I am and redeem man even though they are rebellious and far from me I'm going to provide salvation for them And that is a big God that we have the privilege of serving. So here's our simple point. If we could reduce all this down, you say, well, what am I going to take away from this today, from these four verses, five verses? Here's what I want us to take away when we zoom out and we look at this for what it is, is that my future, my inheritance, my future is as for sure, it's as certain as the spirit of God, as his seal is strong. My future is as for sure as the spirit himself is strong. So if you are concerned about, man, what am I going to do with, you know, this, you know, with my upcoming job and things are kind of uncertain. What am I going to do with my kids when they do this and they do that? Man, we have so much of our attention focused on the day and day right now difficulties of life. And I'm not saying we should abandon those because we've got to work through those. We've got to address those. But what if we spent more time making the decisions and living each and every day out in the reality of my future inheritance through God? 
Because your future, eternal, we don't spend a whole lot of time thinking on that. We spend so much more time thinking about the future, like today after church, today, what are we going to do to get the kids ready for school tomorrow, etc. And we've got to think about that. But what I'm saying is, man, what if we all started preparing for tonight, tomorrow, and what my kids are going to eat for lunch, all that, all those important details in light of the reality that my future eternal is for sure. It's secure for those who believe. But there's a real man's responsibility in order to be sealed with the Spirit, in order for your future to be for sure, there must be, as Paul said, you must hear the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in him. There must be a belief from your heart that God, that Jesus is who Jesus says he is, that he is the most prized possession that anyone could ever, ever possess. So here's the reality. We could go through life thinking about just the future of what's my 401k going to do? Am I going to have to work at Walmart as a door greeter for the rest of my life, you know, until I die? You know, what's going to happen in this? Or we could make every single decision that we live out today in light of the reality of our forever, that is, that is for sure, through the power of the Spirit of God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and just think on this. Do I even consider, do I even think about the forever future? Do I ever consider, do I ever think about, do I make my decisions today based on the fear of today and the fear of what I don't know or am I able to really objectively look and see the, how I am, my future is for sure? Because the Spirit of God has sealed me, those who believe. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit for all of eternity past, they did not need to create you in order to have a relationship with you. But they decided to create this thing called the universe as a theater to display how awesome and how powerful they are. But we, humanity, rebelled against him. And because God wants to have all of creation represented for all of eternity future, he decided to send his son to die for the sins of those who would believe in him. So today, do you believe in him? Can you honestly say that your future, your forever future is sealed? Or you say, well, I I don't know. I don't know if I have a relationship with God. Well, listen, I'll just tell you the same thing that Paul told the, the believers here in Ephesians, in Ephesus. Once you hear the gospel, you must believe. You must believe that Jesus is the only hope, that Jesus is the only answer, that Jesus is the only solution to this thing of your sin that separates you from God. And when you believe, then you become sealed with the Spirit of God. So if you... In this moment, you say, well, I need to believe. I need to put my trust in Jesus for all of eternity future. And I just encourage you to spend some time in this moment, in the quietness of this moment, and just do business with God. Just talk to him direct. You don't need a, a, a preacher or a priest or a, a man of the cloth to do anything with you right now before a holy God. If he is working on your heart, if he is providing for you this, this beautiful thing called conviction, if he's saying, you need to come to me, then I challenge you i beg of you do that right now just say god i need you i believe in you father i just thank you for this time i thank you father for this truth i know god that things are a little 
uh, unique today and definitely aren't hitting the 76 and mostly sunny that was forecasted. But God, I just thank you for the truth of your gospel. We can, man, in, in, in human uh, forecasting of weather, it's at best a guess. But God, in you, we have the rock solid absolute truth that those who believe have obtained this inheritance this inheritance that we will have been given a, a down payment, a deposit on in the person of the Holy Spirit, so that one day we will be with you forever in eternity. God, that is as for sure as the very Spirit of God is strong. So God, if there's anyone here, God, who does not believe, God, I just pray that you would draw them to you and that they would give their life to you wholly and completely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.